0: Hey gang, I'm Nikki LaCroce and you're listening to Who the Fuck? A show that explores the power of human connection and the profound resilience of the human spirit through compassionate conversations that help you better understand yourself so you can live with the sense of peace, purpose, and joy that you deserve. Each episode offers a safe space for guests to share intimate details of their personal journey and lessons learned along the way, as we all seek to answer life's most important question. Who the fuck am I? Hey gang, I'm Nikki Croce, and you're listening to Who the Fuck. And on today's episode, I'm sharing the mic with Nick Hutchinson. And Nick is an entrepreneur, author, podcaster, and speaker who specializes in personal development and business. He's the founder and CEO of BookThinkers, a successful book marketing company and podcast of the same name that helps people achieve their personal and professional goals through the power of positive reading. His journey began when he read his first personal development book at age 20 and turned him into an avid reader, now having read over 400 books, which I can't even imagine. And the experience that Nick has collected through the years in reading those books ultimately became the inspiration for the book that he's releasing, Rise of the Reader, Strategies for Mastering Your Reading Habits and Applying What You Learn. Welcome to the show, Nick.
1: Yeah, Nikki, I appreciate that introduction. It makes me feel good, and uh, I can't wait to see where you'd like to take today's conversation.
0: Absolutely. Well, as a fellow podcaster, I really love these conversations because I feel like usually that's kind of the up-for-anything crowd. I, I want to keep the conversation focused on you and your mission, but also feel free to take it wherever feels right for you because that's really what I'm here for. I want you to be able to share your story your way. Um So getting started, I just kind of, I mean, 400 books is a lot of books for anybody in a lifetime. How did you really find yourself with that interest in your first personal development book? Like what took you down this path to begin with?
1: So I was going into my senior year of college. I had taken a summer internship at a local software company. It was a sales position. And my boss at the time introduced me to the world of podcasting. So conversations just like this, where a host would interview somebody, that person would talk about how they became successful. And I became hooked. I had about an hour commute each way. And so I started listening to a lot of conversations around business and personal success and purpose and things like that. And Time and time and time again, these successful people were recommending books. Now, I was not much of a reader growing up, just like you. And even through college, I was not much of a reader. And so listening to how all of these people are reading books, 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 I'm like, I must be missing out on something. So I went during a lunch break one day to my local Barnes & Noble with a list in hand, and I grabbed a bunch of the books that I had heard podcast guests talking about. And because I didn't have a ton of responsibility in that internship, I could work for a few hours each day, and then I could dive into the books that I had purchased because I had to clock in and out. I had to be there. And the first book was Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Mm -hmm. Now, in that book, Robert talked about how successful authors condense decades of lived experience into days of reading. And I thought that was so cool. So the first few books that i i decided to read they were all in the personal finance sort of financial literacy space and what happened was i went from shying away from conversations about money to leading conversations about money almost instantly i mean it happened over the course of a few weeks and uh-huh. so i began to sort of sit back and think well if i can remove insecurities that fast? Why not start to tackle other areas of my life that I'm not comfortable talking about? And so I started reading about habits. I started reading about health and fitness. I started reading philosophy. I started learning about all of these people that I had heard about, but didn't know much about. And so I think very quickly, I was hooked. I was in. You know, The minute that I started reading these books, I feel like a new version of myself in the future emerged and I realized there was something more that was possible. So cool.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. I just love the way you're able to explain it too. I'm sure some of that narrative has crystallized as you've been writing your own book as well, because you're really trying to distill down what you've learned and how you've come to be who you are now. And that's really what this show is about. It's how do we become who the fuck we are? The the idea is, you know, why do I believe what I believe? Do I really believe what I believe? That's truly what inspired me to get to this place in, in recording episodes with people was I just had this thirst for knowledge and understanding and this desire to really expand beyond this really, it wasn't necessarily a super small box, but it was just not as much as it could be. And it sounds like you sort of had that shared experience where you didn't understand what you were missing until you started sort of inspecting these areas of your life where you wanted to really dissipate these insecurities and start to build confidence around them. And Money is a hard topic to discuss. It is still one of my least favorite conversations to have, but I agree with you. It is about getting comfortable with the discomfort. And so I'm curious when you really, you got to this place where now you're consuming all this information, you're learning a lot from other people who are in these spaces. Was there something that particularly led you down the path of creating book thinkers in particular?
1: When I was earlier in my college experience, I decided to join a company called Collegiate Entrepreneurs, and they helped you essentially run your own house painting business over the summer. Mm -hmm. So they would provide you a little bit of sales mentorship. They would teach you how to hire and fire people. They would teach you how to run payroll in exchange for a percentage of revenue. And as a small business owner of sorts at that time, I started to understand that I was a much better entrepreneur than employee. And so I knew that I wanted to run a business, but I sort of, I didn't like the house painting space and I hit a lot of bottlenecks. I was the bottleneck. Um, So going into my senior year, I had decided, Hey, I'd like to go work for a bigger company, sort of understand how these companies operate, maybe sell something that I don't have to execute and just get better at selling. And so that's where I jumped into that internship and discovered books. But while I was going through that process, I still knew I wanted to start a business. And so my friend Alec and I, he had also run a house painting business, very similar to mine. He also went to the same college as me. We started meeting on a weekly basis to talk about starting businesses. And one of the strategies for starting a business is you have to solve a problem. And so each week we'd show up at one of these rooms on the college campus where there were whiteboards and markers and stuff. And we would talk about problems that we had faced during the previous week.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so I remember one week I showed up and I essentially said, hey, I'm reading all of these books. I'm making it very known to my social media following and to my friends and family that I'm reading these books. I can't stop talking about them. And everybody asks me the same questions what books are you reading? Where should I start? What's a good book for this? What were your favorite takeaways from that? And so the original version of BookThinkers was a website where I could document my favorite takeaways from these books because I didn't want to answer the same questions every single time. (laughs) That's fair. And yeah, I didn't know how we would originally monetize it, but it was like, I want to solve this problem that I'm currently facing. And so, yeah, it sounds kind of funny. It wasn't a major problem. It was very related to me and my own unique experience, but that was the original version of BookThinkers. It was just a a website to categorize my favorite takeaways from these books.
0: Well, I mean, clearly it gave you the momentum and the focus that you needed to get where you are and to get to writing this book. I think it's quite phenomenal. Because the thing that I've recognized, I worked in tech for 15 years up until Friday, and now this is my my full focus. And what I understand to be true is that We have to often solve the problems for ourselves to be able to help other people solve them. And so I really applaud your persistence and your desire to build what you've built from something that, you know, seems, as you said, sort of maybe silly, but I don't know that I necessarily feel that way because you need that launch pad, right? You need that place to start and to figure out your footing and know where you even want to take it. And so what I'd be curious to know is. Do you have a moment where you felt this shift happening between, you know, okay, this is a website now where I'm providing people with information about books that I'd recommend and I'm optimizing my workflow by telling them, here, just go to this website. I don't have to tell you every single detail Uh, that you started to recognize how you wanted to build it out and take it forward. Was that conversations with your friend that you were building business with or how did that come to be?
1: It was. uh, I had stated to the world, I think, hey, I'd like to start a business. This is a problem that I'd like to solve. It's an area of my life that I'd like to work in professionally someday. And so Alec, who was my friend at college, actually started the business with me legally. So we registered book thinkers Uh, in the state of Massachusetts, we didn't know what we were doing, but I knew that if I legally registered the business and I started spending money on that, it would force me to figure out a way to monetize this passion of mine. Yes. The moment that I think you're talking about a few weeks into that journey, I had just shared uh, maybe on LinkedIn and Facebook, Hey, I'm starting this business. I'm starting this website one of my childhood friends reached out to me and said, hey, I've been interested in entrepreneurship as well. We should meet up and get coffee sometime. And so I drove back home. It was a couple hours and I got coffee with him. And he was telling me, hey, I've been building out these websites. I've been working with this development company in Argentina. Maybe we could build an app that could categorize other people's favorite takeaways from their books. I have all of these ideas. I'd love to get involved. By the way, I'm also reading all of the same material. And so we brought Derek into the business very early on as well. So now it was a group of three. And he was the first person that really said, let's get this organized. Let's explore monetization opportunities And he had already started a couple of small businesses himself. So I think he brought some maturity to the conversation. And I think leaving that original conversation with Derek, it was the first time that I was like, wow, you know, this is how a business operates. This is conversations about money, not just about dreaming. And although we did attempt to build a mobile application, it never found product market fit. The development company sort of fell apart. We were left with something that didn't really work, uh, which I've learned a lot through failures, but I think going back to that coffee date with Derek, that was the first time I was like, wow, you know, this is going to be a thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a thing. You have now started a podcast associated with your business as well. So it's a book marketing company as well as a successful podcast.
1: Can you tell me how it came to be both of those things essentially? Sure. So the short version is that in anticipation of releasing the app that never actually happened, we started to post on social media. We said, Hey, we need an audience to sell this into once the app is available. We want to cultivate a community of like minded nonfiction readers who would love to organize their takeaways better. And so that's what we started to do. And they started the socials. I sort of ended up taking them over. And what happened was the audience started to grow. And it started to grow pretty fast. And at first, authors reached out and said, hey, Nick, my target reader is your audience. Can I send you a free copy of my book, whatever the book was? Mm -hmm. And that would be through IG DMs or in the comment section or Facebook or something. And at first, it was like, wow, I'm paying for these books. Now I'm getting books for free. That's a step in the right direction. Totally. Because I'm still working. I ended up going full time at that software company right out of school. Same one that I took the internship at. And so this is a side hustle. Now I don't have to spend money. Then it turned into, hey, how much does a book review cost? And so I had never originally thought that authors would pay for social media marketing, that I could review their books, talk about them online and get paid for it. But that was a very consistent stream of revenue all of a sudden. Derek and Alec had decided to go kind of separate ways and focus on other projects. Derek had a business takeoff. Alec hiked the Appalachian Trail for six months and like went in a different direction. So I was left with this social media business where I was reviewing books and getting paid for it. The app never took off, uh, but that continued to happen. And I would always end those engagements by asking my author clients, hey, is there anything else that I can help with? related to book PR, book marketing, anything else under the sun, because I'd like to work in this space full-time, and I want to understand what my target customer, who's currently paying me, the author, needs help with. And so, Over the years, we've tried out so many different things that didn't work, uh, but we've tried out a few things that have worked. Today, most of our revenue comes from helping authors turn a physical book into short-form video content for social media. We do some podcast placements. We do the book reviews still now that we have a community of over 100,000. And the podcast came about because at one point I realized many of my favorite authors were now following my book Instagram page, BookThinkers.
0: That must have been really exciting for you.
1: Oh, it was so exciting. And they were engaging a little bit in the comments section sometimes. They're reviewing stories. And I think a few people in my community recommended that I start a podcast where I interview these authors. And so that's what I did. I started the podcast and within 10 episodes, we had Grant Cardone and Russell Brunson and Jim Quick and Bob Berg and all these amazing people. And I thought, all right, here we go. And episode number one was with a, a mentor of mine. He's a mentor now, Evan Carmichael. He's a YouTuber. He's an author.
0: I'm familiar and, with Evan.
1: I actually just started engaging with
0: his content like a month ago. So I'm really loving it. I, I appreciate that you have a lot of these ties to the entrepreneurs and influencing voices in the market because it's it not only gives you obviously the credibility, which should be there because of what you've achieved. But I think it also, to your point, speaks so much to the people who are like-minded and like-hearted and wanting to figure out these paths for themselves. So it's truly inspirational to see the network of connections you've created through your show and through your business.
1: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Evan gave me a great piece of advice right up front, which was use my name. That's what he told me. And what he meant by that was every time I wanted to connect with somebody, I could reach out and see if they followed Evan. And if they did, I could mention that in my prospecting. I could say, hey, Jim, I'd love to have you on my show. I just interviewed Evan. I see that you follow him. You guys have connected before. And uh, I helped promote his book. Now, Jim could bypass any due diligence because he was familiar with Evan. And if Evan said yes, he could say yes, too. And so that's how the snowball started.
0: I really admire the way that you're able to articulate your story, Nick. You are somebody who immediately you feel very organic and humble, which is, I feel really important when you're trying to promote a business, but also encourage people to build their own. I think it can be really daunting for people who are just starting off. Do you feel like, um, in addition to really having the name recognition of some of your guests and your connections and personal relationships, did you find that consistency was also a really significant driver of how you were able to move forward when you transitioned from having sort of this side hustle into this is what I'm doing now with my life.
1: Yes, absolutely. One of the first books that I read was The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy, and he talks about how small consistent steps in the right direction over a long period of time will lead to a disproportionately positive outcome. And so, That's sort of the hockey stick growth that people talk about. And I had experienced it by posting every single day, no matter what, on social media. The same action, which is posting something, became much more beneficial to me in the business over time. You know, each post reached more people and led to more followers. I think the same thing happened with the podcast. The consistency of delivering one episode per week for years really helped out. And as far as the business is concerned, I mean, all of it ties together. I think one of the biggest steps that I was able to take was leveraging the credibility of my podcast guests to do business with my other services. And what I mean mm-hmm. by that was that hanging out with Grant Cardone or Alex hormozy or whoever the case is, Patrick Bet-David, Vanessa Van Edwards, these names... They were just podcasting with me, but by hanging out with them, taking photos, sharing content, having them share stuff on their socials, the people that wanted to be like them were more likely to do business because I was part of that circle now. And what I kind of like to articulate it like this, trust is transitive. If you trust Grant Cardone and Grant trusts me because he's resharing content and I'm in it and we're hanging out you're more likely to trust me as well. You'll bypass, like I said, that due diligence process. And so, yeah, leveraging their credibility helped me grow my business, but consistency uh, also plays a big role in that too.
0: So something that you said that really makes me think about my own insecurities in business is feeling like it can be challenging to leverage those connections without feeling a sense of you're trying to take advantage of something, right? It's coming from a place of pure good intentions, right? You want to help other people get their message out. And that inherently helps you. I love that you use the transitive property because that's like the thing that I remember from math. And it's ultimately the thing that is the most beneficial in life. And so how did you get comfortable or were you immediately comfortable leveraging those connections? Do you feel like it took you time to step into that comfort of
1: allowing yourself to leverage that network? From the very beginning, I looked at it like this. I said, I'm producing content that promotes them. The more often I can promote that content through pictures and videos, you know, I'm, I'm just funneling goodwill and attention and good karma towards them. So yes, I was leveraging their credibility to build my own business, but at the same time, you know, what I was leveraging was an asset that also promoted them. And so I felt that we were sort of aligned and not to bring, well, I'll use this example too. In Matthew McConaughey's book, green lights, he talks about a time where what was best for him was also best for the greater good and that's sort of how i felt i was building my business what was best for me was also best for my podcast guests and that was also best for the people that i was doing business with and uh it all it all sort of aligned so i don't think that i felt i don't think that it took me much time to get used to it you know because posting something like hey i just got to hang out with bob berg author of the go giver post a photo of it Was also really good for Bob Berg because now a huge audience of book lovers was following him, engaging with his stuff, buying his book, that type of thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate you sharing that. And it's also helpful for me to hear because (laughs) that's a big part of getting out of your own way to build a business, right? You need to be able to acknowledge these parts of yourself, which you did, you said at the very beginning of our conversation here, it requires you to acknowledge what you don't know get comfortable with the discomfort and start to explore these areas of your life and your thought process that are going to evolve ultimately. So when you consider self-growth, what do you feel have been the biggest driving factors for your own personal growth? Obviously, a lot of that has seemingly come into your business, but if you separate it from your business, if, if that's possible, it might not be because this is a big part of your life, but what does personal growth really mean to you in terms of how it motivates you?
1: When I was in my late teens and early 20s, I it was a confusing time for me because on one side of the spectrum, I had a lot of insecurities around public speaking, my ability to communicate effectively. And as a result of those insecurities, I would shy away from situations that could have been beneficial to me. Mm-hmm. On the other side of the spectrum, in small groups, I had developed quite an ego uh, that would represent itself at the expense of other people. So, in smaller groups, I needed to be, you know, sort of all eyes on me, attention on me. Uh, you mentioned I came across as humble. I did not come across as humble back then.
0: Well, I and appreciate so, your self awareness.
1: <laughs> thank you. Yeah, awareness is is a big piece of this. And so, once I started reading these books and implementing them, I went from a place of ego and insecurity to a place of service to others, focused on impact. And security, fulfillment, confidence. And that's the biggest transformation that I think I've gone through. I was on a podcast once with an author named Brant Menswar, and I was interviewing him. He had a book called Black Sheep, and it talks about your five black sheep, your non negotiable core values. And I went through my core values as I had seen them from his book. And he said, dude, What about impact? Everything you do is related to impact. And I said to him, well, if I said impact, I think a lot of people that knew me in that period of my life would say, he's not focused on impact. He's focused on himself. And so I feel kind of insecure about that. And he said, that was you yesterday, man. What about you today? You're focused on impact now. You've changed. You've evolved. You've grown up. And that was the first time that I started to say, you know what? I am that person now. I have changed completely and it felt great to step into that. And now I talk about impact as something that I'm focused on. I mean, every day, everything that I do is fueled by positively impacting other people and that's fulfilling to me. So yeah, the business piece has been great, but I'm a completely different human because I'm confident and I'm focused on other people as well.
0: Oh, I love that. That's such a great explanation too. So one of the things when I was in my tech career that really propelled me towards creating this podcast was a friend of mine in performance management at another big tech company had shared with me this concept of a purpose profile. And that if we can understand what makes us feel the most fulfilled, then we can create the most impact. And we can also understand what type of impact we want to create. So is it community-based? Is it society-based? Is it okay for us or is it more comfortable for us to have that impact on a smaller scale with a smaller group of people or do we want it to be something bigger and how does that manifest because the way that we do that can be so incredibly different and so one of the things that you mentioned that I think is fascinating to consider when we think about how different we are as people is that some people have that desire and some people don't and the key about self-awareness that you Pointed out is something that I wholeheartedly believe. I went through a series of really intense trials and tribulations over the course of a a decade, but a two year period where things were really intense. And it shifted the way that I saw the world. And it forced me to recognize through my own education, lots of content consumption, personal growth, and things like that. But looking inward and saying, okay, do I like who I am? Am I satisfied with what I'm putting out into the world? Not just in terms of the the work product, but in terms of the energy, the the thing that I care about doing the most. And so I really relate to and understand where you're coming from with that sense of okay, I am a different person, and I don't need to think of myself as this past version or somebody who can't do these things. Because a big part of getting to where you want to go is actually establishing that confidence that you're talking about and. The other thing that you mentioned, and I think is also really important is the separation of ego and confidence, because you can very much be a confident person who doesn't lead with their ego. So what was that experience like for you transitioning sort of from this aware when you gained that awareness, like my ego is really driving some of my behavior here to this is more about the impact. And I understand that I need to make this shift. Like, how did you kind of propel yourself into that next stage of growth?
1: I think one of the biggest drivers for that shift was studying Stoicism. So I'm a big fan of Stoic philosophers like Marcus Aurelius, Seneca, Epictetus, and sort of the modern version of all of those people, Ryan Holiday. And so I started reading about, yeah, separating yourself from your ego, um, separating yourself from actions that are more destructive, uh, taking more time to process inputs to my brain And acting with more logic and less emotion, Uh, realizing that life is finite and (laughs) we should spend more time being kind to other people and in service of other people and less time bullying people or saying hurtful things. And so uh, I pictured my ego sort of as this pyramid of stones that I had built up and I just needed to deconstruct it one action and one intention at a time. And it felt great as that was happening. It was a huge shift, like I mentioned, uh, articulating that to other people. you know. But I think it happened first within myself. And then over time, I let other people sort of say, hey, Nick's changing and he's focused now on other people. I mean, there were relationships that I had, friends and family members and stuff where uh, it was a big shift and I had to have conversations with people and apologize and, and uh, say, hey, I regret doing those things or saying those things. And so yeah, it was a big, I don't know, step into adulthood and maturity, I think, for me to go through that process. But stoicism as a philosophy, as an actionable philosophy, was probably one of the biggest drivers for making it happen.
0: I share that sentiment so greatly. I am very much invested in philosophical learning. And one of the things that was really transformative for me on my own journey was finding Alan Watts and like listening to his old um, just lectures and thinking about the way that we show up in the world and what that means for us and for other people. And I follow Ryan's uh, podcast and um, his content as well. And one of the things that you mentioned is sort of separating the emotional from the rational to some degree. It can be challenging, right? We're emotional beings. And so it is, I feel a balance of that because we don't want to enter life without emotion altogether. Otherwise it makes it hard to feel like you want to be kind or need to be kind. And I, have you found that through the conversations that you're having on the podcast over the years, and just with authors maybe that you're working with in general, that you kind of take away bits and pieces of those things that ultimately compounded in the book that you've authored?
1: Oh, yeah. 1000%. Yeah. The book that I've authored is a culmination of, I mean, all of my lived experience. So Every podcast, every book that I've read, every conversation that I've had—so many little tips and tricks and strategies shared by other people—and thinking about somebody like Orion Holiday, you know, he he writes books about other people with other people's takeaways and other people's wisdom. You know, he he reads books by those Stoic philosophers and then sort of creates something unique from all of their learnings and draws a through line. And that's kind of what I feel like my book is. I've taken things from so many different places. And I've tried a lot of them. I've tried to implement a lot of them. I've looked at what works and what doesn't, and I've sort of mashed it all up together. And the through line is me. It's uh, my lived experience, uh, but the information isn't necessarily mine. It's stuff that I've taken from so many different places. So
0: what was, was there a pivotal moment that you recall where it came to you and you thought, okay, I'm going to write this book?
1: Yes, uh, but it's not so sexy. I had a company reach out to me and say, hey, if you ever want to write a book, we'll, we'll sort of comp the services that we offer if you throw an ad in the back of it. And around that same period of time, I had said... I had started thinking about writing the book because so many people would reach out to book thinkers through Instagram DMs or emails or whatever and say, Hey, Nick, I'm reading all these amazing books, but I'm having a tough time translating that information into action. I get excited, but I stay in the same place and I don't take action. Like, what implementation frameworks, what action related frameworks exist? How do you take notes? How do you set intentions for the books you're reading? And In an Instagram DM, maybe you only have space for a voice note or a couple of paragraphs, but Mm -hmm. I knew that to replicate what I was doing successfully, it would have to be a long-form piece of content. It would have to be a YouTube series or a completely different podcast or a book. And what does my audience want more than anything else? I mean, they're already reading books, so it was a book. And uh, while I was thinking about that and sort of having all the inputs... You know, all of the people say, Hey, I think I think you should help produce something like this so that we can model your behavior. That book opportunity came in where they said, Hey, we'll comp all of our services in exchange for an ad. And I thought, now's the time. Now it took me a few years to get it written down, but that was sort of the moment. You know, it wasn't like an aha, but it was sort of a okay, let's try this out.
0: Divine timing, it sounds like a little bit, right? You know, sometimes you need that push from external forces to propel you into that next step. And one of the things that I think is so important when you take on something like writing a book or promoting, you know, your mindset really to other people and helping them understand that is to do it in the timing that feels right to you. You have to navigate sort of where you are in life and where you are in business and give yourself a chance to do that in the most meaningful way possible. Do you feel like you? see growth, you saw growth within yourself as you were even writing the book and kind of pulling this all together and and seeing and acknowledging really like, oh my gosh, this is actually, look at how much I've learned over the years.
1: Yes. And I also experienced some additional insecurities. You could call it imposter syndrome or, or whatever the term is. But I realized that the book is for my younger self. I mean, you'll hear so many authors say that, but I think that's what you find out when you're writing a book is that you're writing it for the version of you who needed to hear what you've learned over the last few years. And so that person doesn't need, you know, I don't need to write a book in my fifties and gain all of this additional life experience. I could just help the version of me 10 years ago that wishes he had access to the tools that I have today. I think the biggest growth the biggest difference between who I was when I started the book and who I am today is something that you've highlighted a couple of times. And I appreciate the compliments. You've said things like, hey, you were able to articulate that really well. And I've only been able to do that because I went through the process of writing this book, finding a way to articulate the experiences that I went through in a way that could come across as easy to understand. And I had to. Sit down and define all of the different things that I'm doing with these books. I mean, I could talk about them a little bit, but now I really know this is the process that I use and that works most effectively for taking the books that I'm reading and implementing them, taking action, changing my behavior, being held accountable. And so this book that you had mentioned in the intro, Rise of the Reader. It uh, it took me years, essentially, of reflection and, and looking at my own process to figure out what I was doing. Now I can finally articulate it.
0: Well, I I think that that's just such a great way to speak about the experience, too. And something that you just said that I actually really wanted to touch on was this accountability and ambition and confidence and reducing those self-limiting beliefs. I think it's a combination of things that we experience in our lives that require us to. Or Sorry, we're required to achieve those things or, or navigate those things when we're on a path to getting what we want and where we want to becoming who we want to be. Do you feel like you have a greater sense of accountability now also that you, you're you sharing so much with other people that it has become maybe more of a focal point or more important to you in some way that not only does it make it you accountable to yourself, but it also proliferates to your audience?
1: Yeah, I think sometimes the biggest issue in a person's life is that they're not held accountable to anybody or anything for their actions. And and there, what is there, that Spider-Man line, like with great power comes great responsibility Mm -hmm. or something. I think I don't know how I would ever stop reading and reviewing books and recommending books because I don't know how often it happens. At least once a week, somebody will respond to a message or shoot me a DM and say, Hey Nick, I read a book that you recommended. And it solved a huge problem in my life. And I'm just so much better off as a result of it. And I love that. I mean, I feed off of that. It feels amazing. And so I want to continue positively impacting other people. Um, so yeah, I feel like I'm held accountable also because there are so many eyeballs. I mean, the BookThinkers Instagram account did over a million impressions last month organically. That's That's so many people. And it feels so good because it's nothing but positive content. Yeah. There's so much negative, divisive stuff out there on social media, and if I can, if I can, I don't know, just shift that needle a little bit for the people that follow Book Thinkers, and uh, encourage people to follow more positive, constructive content that can help them instead of hurt them. You know, it's part of the mission too. So yeah, it feels really good, and it also feel good feels good with friends and family members like Ryan Holiday, who we've, who we've been talking about. I had the opportunity to interview him on our podcast a while ago. And I said, Hey, do you view yourself as a Stoic philosopher? And he said, no, I view myself as a writer who tries to practice Stoicism. And I think the same thing with me, I, I want to be held accountable by the people in my community, by friends, by family members, because it just helps me be a better version of myself. And I, and I want that. I really do want that.
0: Totally. I think that that's something that we cultivate innately. It's something that you can't force someone to be accountable. Believe me, I've tried. And I think that when we step back and sort of acknowledge how these transformative moments in our lives, whether it's through business or personal interactions, how they affect us and our ability to sort of step back and acknowledge what the ultimate goal is, it becomes so much more profound how much we can achieve. And it sounds like you've certainly come to that realization at at various points on your journey. Do you, you mentioned, you know, sort of your relationship with your family and friends throughout this as well. It was actually what I wanted to ask about also was how has the way that you've adapted through this growth impacted your personal relationships?
1: Oh, it's, it's been amazing. I think that all of my relationships have improved just because I'm able to have better, more transparent, productive conversations with everybody in my life. I have a tattoo that says family first, and that's because I believe my family comes first and my relationship with my parents and my brothers, uh, they've improved in a big way. I actually just got married back in May. I did so, see that uh, on your social. Congrats. Yeah, thank you so much. And you know, even like there's a there's an experience that I had with my now wife one time we were driving I think from Massachusetts down to Florida and we put on the book The 5 Love Languages. And I wouldn't have put that on if I wasn't into personal development and trying to improve relationships. And we listened to that book and we talked about the different love languages and we kept pausing it and having great discussions. And it's, it's those types of things that improve relationships. It's pausing and working on things with each other and having the tough conversations. And I'm so much more willing and able to do those things as a result of the work that I put in to myself. So yeah, yeah, I think everything's improved.
0: I absolutely love that. And the fact that you and your wife do exactly what myself and my wife do, which is we turn on something, whether it's an audiobook or a podcast. We were driving up to Whistler a month ago or so and put on Jay Shetty speaking to Lewis Howes and just got a couple of minutes into the conversation press pause now we're talking for an hour about what they've said and then okay press pause or press play and then we get a few minutes further and i it took us 5 days to listen to this whole episode because the drive is only 2 hours so it was a lot of back and forth dialogue but what you're pointing out nick is just the value of the conversations to putting the message out there whether that is a one on one one on many or just putting your voice out there and sharing your reviews people are hungry for that content that makes us think and asks us to delve deeper into these parts of ourselves that unless prompted we sometimes just it's not even that we're ignoring it it's just we're it's out of sight out of mind and so i really find a lot of wonderful power in the conversations that you've created through your podcast and with these authors that you're engaging with. And as you said, the exposure for their books and their content and the way of thinking is just incredibly valuable and meaningful to people. And do you feel that where we are right now in the world, that people are more ready for this type of content now? Because I definitely have this feeling that particularly... I'm 37, so younger generations for sure are looking at the way things are and saying like, what the hell has happened here? We need to regroup and center back around humanity. Is that something that you also see or or how do you view that?
1: Yeah, I, I think a lot of that started when COVID happened because people were furloughed or now they're working at home and they have a little bit more time on their hands and they're asking themselves, do I really love what I'm doing? and that extra pause i think it hurt a lot of people but it also helped a lot of people i saw the book thinkers following sort of skyrocket i saw the number of conversations and requests for book recommendations go way up and it sounded like people were becoming more reflective and starting to pay attention a little bit more and sort of like some centrist voices, maybe like Joe Rogan, who are open to having conversations with people on both sides of the aisle Mm -hmm. um, and remain sort of agnostic sometimes in their views. Like that started to become a little bit more popular. And, you know, voices like Lewis Howes, who you just mentioned, and Jay Shetty, they're just people who have great intentions, and those voices started to amplify above other more negative and divisive voices, news channels, things like that. And so, yeah, I feel like people are waking up a little bit, and sometimes you need to go too far uh, in order to course correct. And I think we've gone too far in a lot of ways. Yes. So, yeah people, is, yeah, people are ready.
0: Yeah, people are ready, which, as you mentioned, I think COVID very much brought back this idea of, okay who am I, what am I looking for in life? How can I fulfill these needs that I have that aren't just go to work, make money, get things done? And the combination of what you're doing with personal growth and business is really inspiring, I'm sure for a lot of people, because my wife has been an entrepreneur and business owner for 12 years, and she's done well for herself. And the thing that she's leaning into now is how can I help other people get to that place as well? Because we all deserve the freedom to do the thing that feels right to us. And I feel like your book, based on what, I, what I've what i learned about it thus far is really aiming for that same thing. Like how can you achieve this emotional and, and professional independence that gives you the ability to create the life that you want? So when you are hearing from readers inevitably once your book's out and they're really diving into it, what do you hope for them to feel once they've
1: closed the book on the final page? That they can take action on everything they're learning. And that it's a good question that the future reality uh, that they're starting to envision becomes more realistic. You know, something that you had mentioned earlier uh, that I wanted to touch on is that where we are today is a result of the actions and habits that we've had in place for many years. And what's so optimistic About reading and implementing personal development books is that you can change your habits and behaviors today so that the version of you that exists 10 years from now is closer to who you actually want to be, uh, serving the people that you actually want to serve, more fulfilled on a daily basis. And that starts now. It starts by understanding how to implement information effectively, how to take action, how to create better accountability. And so, yeah, I just, I want people to say, hey, I'm getting more out of these books now. I'm taking better action. I'm feeling more confident about the direction I'm heading. I have better habits in place. Right. And uh, I have a better understanding of the resources available to me. That's, that's what I hope.
0: Yeah. I, I really can't wait to check it out. When you look back on your journey and where you are now, where do you see yourself going? Do you have a clear idea of what you want your future to be, what you want the future of book thinkers to be?
1: It's a great question. I I want more of what I have today. <laughs> I like that answer. Yes. I, I found that, and th- this is a little bit abnormal, but I, I'm saying this with complete confidence. I enjoy the passage of time. I really do. I love everything about my life and I don't want much to change. There's not a big difference between who I want to be in the future and who I am today. Maybe a little bit healthier, a little bit wealthier. I'm not sure if I could be happier. And I was able to achieve this right now when we're recording. I'm 29 years old. And so I feel anybody can achieve this. There was nothing special about me. Like I mentioned, it's been less than 10 years since I picked up my first book. And so 10 years from now, anybody listening or watching this podcast today, Nikki can change everything. I was insecure fully ego I was still in college so I didn't have a job didn't know what I wanted to do and here we are just a few years later and I don't want to change anything about my future I just want to do more and at a bigger scale you know impact more people that type of thing so what will book thinkers be I have no idea I sort of sometimes I write my goals in pencil because they change so often and you've got to erase them and start over uh but I do believe genuinely that the right book at the right time can change somebody's life and that might evolve who knows you might hear me in five years saying the might the right podcast at the right time can change somebody's life or the right youtube course at the right time can change somebody's life but uh yeah just i don't know i a life that when i look back i don't have any regrets you know, I don't play small. I'm the boldest version of myself. And everything that I'm doing today is working in that direction and I'm enjoying the process of it.
0: I think that's a phenomenal answer, Nick. I really do because the part that really stands out to me is sure, I could be a little bit healthier. I could be a little bit wealthier, but I don't know if I could be happier. It resonates so deeply with me because I was in a very unhappy place for a long time and it negative relationship, not surrounding myself with people who could help show me the potential in myself. And I think a big part of that is not just the people that you know in your inner circle. I think that's a huge part of it. I think it's very important to surround yourself with people who are like-minded and like-hearted, as you pointed out earlier, but also to just recognize that the content that we consume has a profound impact on who we are as people. And so if all you're consuming is like true crime documentaries or, you know, these things that are inherently negative, like, yes, they're engaging. I will give credit to that. I love documentaries documentary. So sometimes I'm like, yes, show me that terrible thing that happened. And then I'm like, Ooh, we need balance, right? We need to (laughs) come back to what is really productive. And that was one of the things you said earlier too, that stood out to me is conversations or behaviors that we have aren't always productive. And it is important to take account of that and understand, you know, what can I do differently? And how can I create this life that I want if I don't have it right now? So you've offered some really tremendous insights. I've loved hearing about your journey. So as we're sort of rounding things out here, is there anything else that you'd like to share with listeners just about yourself or the book? I am I will obviously put everything that we can in the show notes and point people to your book, but I just love if you have any closing things that you'd like to say.
1: Yeah, I'd love to offer something to your audience. So if anybody is struggling with something specific or would like to double down and maybe improve a specific skill set, reach out to me on Instagram at bookthinker, shoot me a DM, tell me a little bit about the problem and I'll make a book recommendation. I love doing this. It's like playing book matchmaker, uh, but in a productive way. And I might ask some follow-up questions. Can you tell me a little bit more about this? Or can you tell me a little bit more about that? But I'll make a book recommendation. And then, better yet, I'll follow up with you in a few months and see if you've read the book, if you've implemented anything from it. And so that's one of my favorite activities to do. Because so many of us feel like the problems in our lives are unique to us. But the reality is... Billions of people have lived before us. So many of those people have faced the same problems that we're facing. Maybe not identical, but very similar problems. And literally millions of them have written books about how they overcame that situation or improved that skill set or whatever the case may be. And so I'm happy to connect you with better resources so that for $20 most of the time and a few hours of your time, you can eliminate that problem or improve that skill. And I just think that's so beautiful and amazing. And the return on investment is great. And uh, it's not very risky. So try it out. Shoot me a DM. Happy to make a book recommendation.
0: Amazing. I will probably tell my wife to message you. Uh, she's, <laughs> uh, she's graduated um, in her own t- terms from reading a lot of fiction. And over the years, she said to me, I used to be so engrossed in that, and that was kind of what I wanted to do. I wanted to live in this this world where it was more imaginative, but having found personal growth books and been able to implement some of these things, it's been so life-changing for her. And I think for me, being able to have conversations with people like yourself and just spend the time with you learning about your experience, it's inspiring more book reading on my part. I will tell you since starting this podcast, I have read more books in the past couple of years than I have read in probably most of my life, just as a function of wanting to know more and understand more of people's stories. And when it's there and it's offered to you, it's just so magical what you can do with a recommendation. So I I truly appreciate just your mission, everything that you're doing, and really excited to have this episode for listeners to hear and that offer for you to cash in on. So um, Nick, can you tell people where they can find you on social?
1: Sure. Before I do, I'd also like to say that you're an excellent podcast host. You're very articulate yourself and I appreciate the time you took to generate some of these questions and follow some of your curiosities and ask about things that not every podcaster chooses to ask about. So it's been a really fun experience, and for those that want to learn more about me, they can go to bookthinkers.com. They can check out BookThinkers on Instagram, and uh, those two resources will point you in different directions, but you can find what you're looking for.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much, and thank you so much for the compliment. This is definitely, I think, the way that you feel about being able to offer your insight and your Uh, recommendations for books is how I feel about having conversations and being able to explore people's journeys with them. So I really appreciate you sharing the time with me and sharing the mic with me.
1: Yeah, of course. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Well, gang, that's all for this episode of Who the Fuck. We'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for listening to Who the Fuck. And if you like what you hear, share the show with your friends, family, coworkers, or anyone else you think needs a healthy dose of introspection and raw authenticity. Feel free to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. It's always appreciated. And you can also visit whothefck.com to check out more content. Plus, you can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at whothefck underscore pod to keep up to date with what's new in my world and for exclusive bonus content. Catch you on the flip side.
1: If you're a working professional wondering what's next for your career, you've come to the right place. Whether you're looking for a promotion growth, or a potential career transition, look no further. With over 30 years working in a variety of industries, I share my insider knowledge with those ready to get ahead on. Career Advancement with Craig Ansel. Tune in to get your strategies for success.
0: And live in a life by your own design.
1: Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success.
0: This is Unapologetically Fab,
1: an Electricast production.
0: I'll see you there.
1: Electricast. Electricast. Electricast.